Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as is typical of days like this, yeah, Fridays, that would be senior writer Jonathan Strickland. I looked at my notes, and I didn't like them. Hey, was that a quote, that or was, were you actually saying that you... It's it's both. Okay. It's both a quote, and it's true. Ah, uh, excellent. Uh, that, th- those are always the best, right? Yes, they are. So today we are going to talk a little bit about robots. <laughs> Which do we, he, before he was, we, before we started recording, we were, I was talking he, about robots. He was insisting on saying robots. Yeah. So and I didn't um, think he would actually do it in the episode. Of yes. course I'm going to do it in the episode. I, my goal is to alienate all of our listeners until no one's left. Uh, and I'm doing quite well, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, so robots, if you prefer. Uh, we, we wanted to talk about this mainly because there was, um, uh, kind of a cool story and, and really cool video that came out recently, mm-hmm. recently as of the Recording of this podcast. This is a March twenty third. If you if you guys at home are wondering, because you know, of course, we publish these well after we've recorded them. Yep. But the story was about a company called Kiva. Yes. Kiva Systems, technically. Yes. And Kiva Systems makes uh, robots. <laughs> they make a, a warehouse robot system that's all about uh, finding and retrieving inventory using. Potentially more than uh, than a thousand robots. If you were to have a really complex system, now most of the systems they've they've incorporated have been smaller than that. Mm-hmm. But the idea is really cool, and um, the reason they're in the news right now is because I mean the company's been around since two thousand three. Yeah, since two thousand three, in one form or another. It, it started off as a with a different name, but uh, anyway, it's been around since two thousand three. The reason why it's kind of hit the news recently is because a, a, a another company has acquired Kiva Systems. Yes, that would be Amazon.com. Yes, for the princely sum of $775 million. So yes. just under a billion. Um, yes. So yeah, this is a big news. And you would think, oh, well, that makes perfect sense that Amazon would go after something like this. Like They would at least employ a system like this, if not actually go out and acquire it, because... I mean, Amazon's all about warehouse management in order to fulfill customer uh, needs. So, yeah. So the the company actually was started in 2003, as we said a moment ago, uh, by a guy named Mick Mounts, um, and he knows a lot about uh, uh, fulfillment. He actually uh, kind of learned the hard way yeah. by uh, being part of a company known as Webvan. So Webvan, for those who don't remember, was an online service where you could actually order groceries online. And this company would go out and fill the orders and deliver them to your door. So that way you didn't have to go out to the grocery store. And this, this was one of those uh, companies that was, was expanding very quickly just before the dot com bubble burst and there was the big crash. Mm-hmm. So if you've heard our, our podcast about the dot com crash, you probably heard us talk about Webvan. Uh, part of the problem they had was that the cost for their system was greater than they had originally um, uh, projected, mm-hmm. and so they were not able to bring in enough revenue to cover their costs, and as a result, that the company itself collapsed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Mount seems to be one of those people that learns from experience, 
well, that seems like a reasonably good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, he, he, it, I think it kind of bugged him based yeah. on, well, on the information that I've picked up on, on doing the research. And, and he started thinking, you know what? There's got to be a better way to handle, uh, storage and fulfillment. So, uh, yeah, he has a very technical background. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, I, I believe, as a matter of fact, he's an MIT graduate. MIT and Harvard Business School graduate. So he had, seemed, he, he's probably reasonably uh, well equipped right. to handle this kind so of thing. So technical and the business background. He yeah. also partnered with two other people, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rafaelio D'Andrea. Oh, mm-hmm. Gosh, thanks there, Hoffy. That's hard for me to say. Uh, who uh, was a, a engineering professor at Cornell mm-hmm. uh, and then at ETH, which is the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. Yeah, he had uh, led Cornell to uh, several uh, tournament victories in, a, in robotics competitions. Yes, like the Robo Soccer Games. Yeah, yeah. He he had actually helped design robots that were able to uh, to to accomplish goals in a very efficient way. And so, when Mounts was looking for potential uh, folks to to work with, uh, Dandrea became one of the natural people that he should see because mm-hmm. of his ex- his uh, extensive experience with robotics. And then the third founder is Peter Werman, mm-hmm. who is a, an, a multi-agent systems expert and a former professor of computer science with North Carolina State University. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And I think they were friends first. They yeah. didn't – it wasn't a uh, – yeah, it wasn't just one of those uh, like hey, see that this personality. Good. Yeah, so they, these these three men mm-hmm. were combining their knowledge to try and build out a system of robots that could fill this need of being able to seek out inventory within a warehouse, mm-hmm. retrieve it, and bring it back to someone for packaging. So when you're filling an order for a customer, you're working in a warehouse and you the order comes in. A customer has asked for a particular kind of DVD player. Yeah. And that one DVD player is located on one shelf in this massive warehouse. It takes a lot of time for a human to track down which shelf it is, walk to that section of the warehouse, retrieve it from there, walk back to the shipping department and ship that out. So the idea here is that you would have a robot system where as soon as an order comes in and a, and a person's ready to ship it, that person pushes a button. The robot zooms off exactly to the point where the uh, the item is, lifts up that entire shelf because the robots, if you were to look at these things, they look kind of like Roombas that are on steroids. You know, they're these sort of sort of squarish robots that have rounded at uh, rounded corners, um, and they are they're low to the ground, and uh, they run on wheels. And so when you look at them, they don't you know they're not humanoid or anything like that. They what they do is they scoot around on the floor underneath the shelves, mm-hmm. and then uh, what they they have a little screw drive that comes up. It lifts a platform up that lifts the shelves off the floor. And in fact, the robot. Uh, rotates in an opposite direction of the screw at the same rate so that the platform remains, uh, from the shelf's perspective, stationary. It just, it, it increases in height, but it does not rotate. Yeah. Now, if you, if you think about it, this is, this is important because you have a, a vertical shelf. Yes. These are essentially, um, uh, a rectangular prism going straight up. So the base of the, the, the shelf is square. Yes. And, and is, Roughly just larger than this robot. Yeah. Um, but it goes up and it's got stuff on it. Well, 
you know, if you have things on the higher shelves, but uh, not necessarily on the lower shelves, that's going to change the center of gravity considerably. Mm-hmm. And if um, this this screw drive didn't have that uh, uh, counter rotation, uh, it, it could cause the shelf to topple or be unsteady. And the thing is. Um, when I first started getting interested in, in the, the Kiva story and was watching the videos, I was thinking, that's so cool watching the little bot outside spin like that. It's really cute. Um, and then I realized that it's being done for a very specific reason. And yeah. I went, not only is it cool looking. It's functional. It's functional. Yeah, so it lifts the shelf directly off the floor. And then it uh, will maneuver back to the person who has pushed the button to fill this order. It then shines a laser pointer, essentially, mm-hmm. onto the particular item that needs to be uh, scanned and, and shipped. And so then the worker would pick up that item, scan it, put it in a box, and tape it up, and then it's ready to be shipped out to the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the robot will take the shelf back to where it needs to be. And meanwhile, there's a computer system that's keeping track of all of these movements. That's It's not just the uh, movements of the robots, but where the shelves are currently located, uh, what orders have gone out, and sort of an inventory control system. Yeah. So you've got uh, you've got multiple layers of software here. You've got a certain layer of software that's in the robot. You have a certain layer of software that's in the uh, the worker station where they are filling out orders, and then you have the overall system. You have layers in there as well, and there's a lot of overlap. So that robots don't need to know necessarily everything every other robot's doing. But the system does. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is if you've got hundreds of robots all going through this warehouse filling out orders, then there's a lot of, of potential for collisions, which would be a bad thing. You don't want like, oh, there's this one robot carrying a shelf full of snow globes and this other robot carrying a shelf full of, uh, of DVDs and this other robot carrying a shelf full of paint guns and the three of them converge and then you – have a combo that just doesn't work even in a Reese's peanut butter cup kind of universe. So yeah, it's sort of like a robot in a china shop. Yeah, it really is. So the the system has to keep track of where all the robots are and the robots have various ways of detecting what other uh, robots are nearby so that way they can all move through and and reach their goals without colliding with one another and it's actually if you watch the videos it's it's captivating to see how these robots will move within 15 centimeters of one another get so close to each other and yet they'll stop in enough time allow one to go through and the next one will pass on and and you, you multiply that by a hundred and it's just phenomenal to to see this kind of it's almost like a it's almost like a beautiful ballet. <laughs> well, um, one of the things too that the uh, the computer system is doing um, to handle this is it's not just inventory control; it's traffic control as well. Yeah. But the bots also have a part in this. Now, um, if you haven't seen this yet and you're going to go check out a video, uh, you might have this picture in your head of. Uh, a lot of uh, robotic carried shelves running around willy-nilly. Well, that's not exactly the way it works. If you look at the videos closely, uh, or even if you don't, you could see there are patterns on the floor. Yeah. And you might say, you know, well, you know, they kind of look like tracks, but they're not tracks, Um, not in the sense of a, a railroad. Right. Uh, sort they're, of system or, or tracks, conveyor belt. They're not tracks that are embedded in the floor that the robots must follow. Right. Which is, which is kind of interesting too because, uh, you know, something like that would dramatically increase the cost of installing a system like this. Instead, um, it's an optical 
system. It basically has barcodes, if you will, in the different uh, pathways that are, are you know, painted onto the floor or however they are attached. I'm not yeah. sure exactly how they are, are uh, imprinted on the floor. Um, anyway, the, uh, the robots have a scanning system uh, built into the bottoms of them. So they know uh, the, the um, control system can tell them what path to follow. You know, right. get on track number two because there's another uh, robot coming back this way on track number one. And it tells it how far to go over and exactly where to go. Um, and it's also very cool to watch the human employees engage with this system because um, unlike past uh, inventory systems where a, a worker would have to walk down rows of shelves to retrieve a particular item or to uh, – if something comes back to put the item back where it belongs, the shelves come to them. Yeah. So they are standing at their workstation – um, ready to package things up. And, uh, it's, it's very, actually, I don't know if you've watched any of these videos, these particular videos, not just the traffic stuff. Um, it's actually kind of creepy because the, uh, the employee will take off a box and will scan it with a little handheld, uh, laser scanner and put it down on their station. And mm-hmm. the shelf will just drive off. Yeah. And the next one will move over to the shelf space at their station and wait for them to scan the item that, that belongs. Uh, in the in the package, so you know the person will put it in the package and tape it up and put the label on it and send it down the, the conveyor to uh, to shipping, um, and then you know this next box comes up, they'll scan it, and the shelf drives off on its own, um, and the same thing too for returns. The shelf drives up, they'll put they'll scan an item, put it on the shelf, and the shelf drives off. It's really kind of weird, but the uh, the employees that I saw interviewed said uh, it's much less taxing. And they can get far more work done because they're retrieving more items or, or putting more items back on the shelf and they don't have to do nearly as much work to achieve that. Right. Because the shelves themselves are doing the work. Yeah, and, and currently the robots, um, the, the regular production model can carry up to 454 kilograms, which is a thousand pounds. That's a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight, but it's still they're working. They have other prototype models that can carry much more than that because depending on what you're shipping around, it may be like, for example, a warehouse that has lots of masonry in it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really lots of heavy pallets and and shelves and stuff. You'd have to have a robot capable of carrying much more than a thousand pounds in that case. Mm-hmm. These these robots do increase efficiency. Uh, I saw some. Projections that suggested that a a factory that uses conveyor belts and and you know more conventional systems to mm-hmm. get mate, uh, materials to the people who need to ship them out that it might take for a typical warehouse something like seventy five workers to be able to um, to to carry out the orders a certain number of orders in a certain amount of time but in using this system it would be more like 25 mm-hmm. so you've just reduced the need of your workforce significantly and uh, by 50 people which means savings for the company this also brings us to another discussion that always comes up when we talk about industrialization and, mm-hmm. and uh, automation and robots in particular which is the concern that these systems will replace human beings and reduce the need for human workers, thus, in a way, contributing to the unemployment rate, right. which is which is a legitimate concern. I mean, there is, it is there is a legitimate concern that there are certain systems involved that will reduce the need for people to work, and therefore, pe- more people will be out of work. Now, this is a story that has been 
with us since the dawn of the industrialization age. You've heard Chris talk about the sabot, the wooden shoes being thrown into a loom in order to sabotage the loom because these these looms were somewhat, you know, not automated in the sense that we think about today, but they were following a program and were reducing the the needs of a skilled weaver so that, you know, you could have a a, a semi-unskilled worker run this machine and they could produce the same sort of quality of work that a skilled weaver could that raised concerns back in pre-industrial Europe. Well, that we've seen that whole story unfold throughout uh, the eras of, of industry. And um, there's been some people who say, sure, it's going to take over those those manufacturing jobs. But then there are going to be more jobs opened up because you're going to have people who need to make the robots and repair the robots, which is true, but you, it's not a one-to-one. First of all, the, the, the skill set you need to work on a factory floor and the skill set you need to maintain or build a robot are dramatically different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not to say that someone can't master both sets of skills, but it's just it's not like it's e- automatically transferable. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you don't need as many people building out or maintaining robots as you would to maintain uh, the, the number of people you need to maintain or build the robots for a warehouse of robots is fewer than the number of workers you would have if there are no robots at all. Right. For that same warehouse. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, you still have people who are not going to have work, uh, at least not in that warehouse. So what this really brings to, to light is that there needs to be a focus in the education phase to make sure that whatever education you are getting is going to be uh, something that is usable in the workforce because the skill sets that the workforce is looking for may be dramatically different than what are being offered within the education system. Mm-hmm. So it, the the burden of responsibility falls on not just the students but the education system itself because we have these education systems out there that are not necessarily offering the same sort of courses that would be useful to a person once they graduate to get a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is because the education system is not terribly nimble. It's a it's an institution and institutions have a lot of uh of inertia. Gasp. And, and it, yeah, it's really hard to get them to, to respond quickly to changing situations because that's just not in their nature. So we do have this issue of robots potentially taking away jobs. And, and even jobs like, not, not just with the Kiva systems. I mean, that's one element, right? But this goes across all, uh, all kinds of industries, not just warehouses. Mm-hmm. We've seen other industries also affected by this. Um, so you've got that concern. Well, hopefully, the, the I- ideal um, outcome is that people will be able to start focusing on the s- types of skills that robots really aren't designed to to handle, mm-hmm. and that there will still be plenty of work to go around. It's just that there has to be a new focus on the type of work uh, that you can pursue. Uh, it really starts to hit people who. Uh, may not have a lot of formal education. Right. Uh, they are at the greatest disadvantage uh, in that their jobs, depending on what industry they're in, their jobs may be one of the jobs that are easily converted to robotics, uh, and they are not. They don't have a background in education where they can easily switch gears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
we're probably going to see continued uh, bouts of of uncertainty mm-hmm. and 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 doubt. Might as well throw fear in there too. Get the whole fud in there, and uh, there's probably going to be some uh, some rocky some rocky travels between now and when we reach our idyllic uh, civilization where the robots cater to our every need and we don't even have money anymore. Adrian, you said wow. rocky. Okay. Well, also, <clears throat> you know, if you if you remember in the um, in the uh, in the documentary Rocky Three, uh, <laughs> they do have a robot. They buy a robot in Rocky. I forgot about that. And it, you know, the uncle gets to play with the robot. It always brings him a frosty beverage. Yes. Uh, anyway, so but, uh, I mean, yeah, they're Kiva's um, by far not the only company to be building uh, equipment like this. That's true. Um, and one of the, uh, I, I, you know, I've seen several. I'm, I'm fascinated by um, industrial machinery type uh, programs, and there are many on our uh, parent company's networks. Yes. Uh, where they make stuff and store stuff. And I just find it fascinating to see. But one of the advantages of the Kiva system uh, is that uh, it is able to store things in a far more dense fashion, uh, therefore making the most of warehouse space. Um, and it does that on a, on a uh, horizontal plane because really these shelves are built – uh, and they can be configured in a number of varieties, you know, depending on what the customer needs. Yeah. Um, but they, the shelves are all the same, more or less, for for these robots. Um, however, uh, I have seen warehouses that are very, very tall, and they have rigid shelving, um, and they're uh, robotic systems that can travel uh, horizontally and then vertically up to a bin that could be stories high, um, and lifts it off with a, a forklift. You know, it. it they have uh, optical readers, uh, very much the same as the Kiva systems do, where there are uh, codes on the bins, and it can scan the code and say, okay, well, the bin in uh, A14 level 6 is the one that I need, and it goes up, and with the little forklift, it you know pulls out the bin and moves the parts down to the assembly line. Um, and I find that completely fascinating. Yeah. But uh, really, that, that maximizes the use of the, the human uh, workers that are there. Um, so it, I think there is a trade-off to be made um, because these systems do um, uh, make the work a lot less uh, taxing mm-hmm. for the, for those people, and, and it does give them uh, uh, an opportunity to be more productive at their jobs, which I think, uh, at least for some people, would be more more fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, also, the uh, the robots, especially in the um, again in the Kiva systems, because you know I'd done primarily that research for this. Uh, for this podcast, the systems are more quiet than the conveyor belt systems. Yeah. Some of the uh, employees that they interviewed for uh, one of the news reports um, said that whereas before in the uh, the conveyor areas, they used to have to shout to to make themselves heard um, when they needed to you know talk to one another. In the uh, robotics room, they basically can talk in a normal voice. Um, there are fewer injuries, which also seems like it would be a boon for Employees. That, that, of course, only applies so long as the robots don't develop sentience and decide to kill all humans. And uh, If they follow the laws of robotics, we should be pretty much all right. All right. Um, and there's a, um, you know, better climate control, too, which is a cost savings. Hopefully they will pass the savings on 
to the workers. Well, that's, You're starting that's to scare me that, a little bit here. The thing is the efficiencies and the, you know, as you improve efficiencies, then ideally that means you can either do one of two things. You keep mm-hmm. prices the same and your profit margins go up. Or you reduce prices and you pass the savings on mm-hmm. to everyone else. Right. But, uh, yeah, it all depends on how the company works. But yeah, I mean, it's these systems are, in general, I think they're a good thing. Oh, yeah. In, in the short term, they're definitely going to be something that could potentially cause a lot of uh, upheaval. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, I think that it's, you know, it's definitely a benefit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, by the way, in, in case you were wondering, uh, although Amazon did did make this purchase, and it's unclear whether they are going to continue to uh, allow other competitors to buy these systems at this point, because it is a, a pretty new deal. I, I would imagine they would continue just because it would be another stream of revenue. But yeah, Well, you know, they're you never a pretty know. smart company, but who knows? They might say this is – well, in, in which case it gives it an opportunity to a competitor. Right, to come out with their own system and exactly. cater to everyone else. Um, people like uh, Toys R Us and Timberland, um, several Amazon subsidiaries have been using these devices for, for quite some time, like Quidzy, which owns uh, Wag.com, which is a, a pet food uh, company and diapers.com and soap.com, uh, plus, uh, Zappos. Yep. Um, and they also, Wal- I think Walgreens was using it as well. Walgreens uses it, uh, Crate and Barrel, uh, Staplays. Oh, Staples. Oh, I always wondered about that. Yeah. No, um, Staplays next to the Target. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, the Gap, Saks Fifth Avenue. You have to mind the Gap. Yes. Especially if you're in the UK. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they, they already had a pretty good client base. Um, but, uh, really that, that princely sum, when you think about it, is of, of 775 million. That was, that was the second highest Amazon acquisition, um, after Zappos, which it, uh, picked up for, uh, 847 million dollars. But, uh, Amazon has said that they're going to, uh, bring their total of warehouses up to 69, opening 17 new warehouses. So this acquisition over the long haul is going to save the company quite a bit of money. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they can build out their warehouses with this technology instead of retrofitting older right, right. Yeah, installations. If they, if, yeah, building it out with it in mind so that they they maximize that efficiency and, and uh, then you know they'll, they'll definitely benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, do you know... Uh, what company built the very first industrial robot? The very first industrial robot? Yeah. Was it Honda? No. Unimation. Unimation. In 1956, they were uh, developed from uh, – there was a fellow named George DeVol mm-hmm. who created the patents for a, a automated robotic system. And these were using hydraulics that would pass very heavy objects from one point to another that were 12 feet apart from each other. Yeah. So kind of the great-great-granddaddy of the Kiva Systems robots. Yeah. They yeah. also bring heavy things to you. Well, um, you know, I, like I said, I love watching this this equipment, and I, uh, especially the um, – uh, well, a lot of the manufacturing robots, um, which is a little different from these logistics machines, but uh, yeah. uh, the ones that use the, the suction cups. Yeah. And they'll pick up, say, uh, a very heavy car part or uh, a piece of a, um, a prefab house or something like that. And they'll just lift it and move it around like it's nothing. 
Um, Which is why when they turn on us, we have no hope. Oh, so on that, I'm done. On that happy I'm note. I'm out of here. On that happy note, yeah. On that happy note, we're going to, uh, there goes Chris. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. So guys, if you have any discussions, uh, you have something that you think we should cover, let us know. Let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can always send us an email. Our email address is techstuff at discovery.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?